This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Space Waffles. We are back, month of December, and I am here with author of A Quantum Love Story, Star Wars Brotherhood, both the short story and the novel, Mike Chen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I am super excited to talk to you today, not only because, you know, this is Space Waffles, we love Star Wars, we love Brotherhood, but also you have a book coming out next month, um, A Quantum Love Story, that broke me emotionally, <laughs> but in the <laughs> best way possible. Um, That's really good. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. <laughs> sobbing by the end, but all happy tears. So let's just jump right into it. So we met you and I through Star Wars, but... A Quantum Love Story is your next mm -hmm. book. So we're going to keep things spoiler free. It's not out yet. But can you tease what this is about? So A Quantum Love Story is um, my, uh, as close to romance as I will possibly get as a Asian science fiction <laughs> writer. Um, it is a time loop story. Um, it is about a woman, two, uh, a scientist named Mariana, who is mourning the death of her best friend. And she said that she she says that she's done with science. She needs to do something new with her life, and she is going to spend one more week going to this quantum accelerator, um, where she says it was it was her best friend's dream, and so she's going there for her friend, and she's asked to consult at the at the accelerator, and when she's there, this strange man named Carter runs up to her and says, "You have to stand right here. You have to do this. Do you remember anything I told you before?" And then the whole thing explodes. And she finds herself trapped in there with Carter. And they are on these four-day loops. And as they gradually begin to try to dig their way out of this and find a way to stop it, they find that they both come with similar histories of dealing with family trauma and not really knowing where they're going in life. And to have this space where they no longer have expectations, they can just be themselves and they give themselves the time and space to grow as they try to break out of the loop. And then something catastrophic happens and Mariana has to save the world and save her chance at love. Um, and that's like the second half of the book and I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> no, 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 definitely keeping things- And there are also some really things. good dogs and cats in, in the book. That's really important because I'm, I try to treat all my animals really well in my books. <laughs> and, the, and the animals make it. For anybody worried, mm -hmm. the animals are fine. So yes. what what kind of inspired you to take this really like, it's a very sci-fi heavy premise and it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily need to be a love story to tell this kind of story, but what inspired you to take this premise and, and make it into something that is so romantic at its core? I, I wanted to challenge myself because I've written about like parent-child relationships, family relationships, uh, friendships, and the idea of romance. You know, I, I joke that it's as close to romance as I'm going to get. And the and it's because I, I find writing that really, really difficult. Um, and, you know, it's like as an Asian child, I was not taught to talk about feelings. That's why I go to therapy every week <laughs> to, to learn how to do that. Um, and so I, I wanted to challenge myself to not just have like the the romantic B plot be just kind of like be one of those things that's kind of in there. I want it to really drive these two people who are kind of 
um, very closed off from the world for different ways. I wanted their growing connection to be like this slow burn romance that they don't even realize until it's happening and then it gets to be a little bit too late. Um, and so I want to really challenge myself with that. And then to throw it into the complexity of, of a time loop, I, I was telling my agent, I'm never writing a time loop again because it was really hard <laughs> to keep track of everything. Um, but I, I, I try to do, I, I try to take these character ideas and these relationship ideas and then put it into like a fantastical sci-fi setting that I really enjoy. Um, and so time loop was just up next. Like there, I had, it, there was a previous proposal that I wrote that kind of had the same story structure as this one, but it, the, the romance element wasn't in there as much. And it was when my agent said like, yeah, we can try to turn this into something new. That's when I said, okay, let me try to fuse in this other idea in there because I really want to see if I can actually do it. And so when I say, this is as close to romance as I can get. I think there's only two kisses in like the whole book. <laughs> and that, that's as close to romance as I can get. But there's like, I mean, not to spoil it, but definitely to tease it. There is a huge, you know, like the, the grand gesture is a big thing in yes. romance. And there is a yeah. huge grand gesture in this. So I would say. Yeah. yeah. It was important. It, it helped that my my editor had a lot of experience um, editing romance. So she was able to tell me like, this is where you push it. This is like, this beat needs to be longer. The grand gesture <laughs> that you speak of had to have more of a buildup to it and, and to really like stay in the moment. And it wasn't like, you know, it, it didn't have to be, you know, spicy. Um, it just had to really feel like it, it meant something and it was earned. So that was, that was definitely a different thing for me. It's not like, you know, it's different from Anakin and Padme, you know, hanging out in Coruscant with their speeder. Well, we're going to come back to that because, sure. because they definitely do want to talk about brotherhood. So we'll put a pin in Anakin and Padme. But um, I want to ask about um, Carter and Mariana specifically, like who mm. slash what kind of inspired them in their in their journeys, in their struggles. Mm -hmm. um, it was important to me. I, I want it to be very like STEM slash science based. Um, if you're going to have a time loop, there's two ways to do it. You can either have it be like a magical time loop or you can have it be a science based one. Um, and so when I chose I'm going to go science based, then I need to have two people who could understand that. I, I'm a very sciencey person. I have an engineering background. Um, I, I think scientifically. Um, and so Mariana, what I wanted with her is like someone who is does not know her way out of grief. She can science her way out of everything else. You know, she's got this PhD. She's like, she's doing something that's like really um, groundbreaking in terms of like neurology and memory capture and all these other things. But then like, she is so broken by the death of her best friend. And she has no idea how to get out of it because that's not something that you can write an equation for. And then Carter, I wanted to play off as someone who he's only here because he doesn't know where else to be. 
and he has this clear passion for food, which I will say, I, I do not care about food at all. <laughs> I am totally like Mariana and my wife is like the big foodie. And, you know, we've been together for 20 years now and like, she's taught me to kind of like appreciate some stuff, but I still don't really care about it that much. <laughs> so all of, all of Carter's reactions to like, we're in a time loop. We can try every restaurant that we want because our bank accounts just keep replenishing. So like, here we go. Like, that's totally what my wife would do. I, I would not <laughs> do that at all. <laughs> um, but, but so it's to take these two people who um, like they fit in the roles of this world. Um, but then emotionally, like they, they are both stuck because they don't know how to break out of like the kind of like shells that they've put themselves in. Right. So I am curious now because you mentioned it. If you were stuck in a consequence-free time loop, what would you be doing? <laughs> oh, other than following would... your wife to all the restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. It, you know what would be frustrating about that is I am so behind on so many video games, and your save <laughs> games would not carry over, and that would be really, really frustrating for me. Um, I would probably like finally catch up on a bunch of shows and a bunch of books. Um, I would try to see every concert within like a certain radius of travel. Um, I would indulge in, I like there's a, there's a beat in this book where like they fly off to another country to try to like experimentally test, like what is the, the physical boundary of, of the time loop, but it's also a vacation for them too. I would do that. Like I would just like go fly somewhere and like, you know, I'm just going to live in London for two days. I'm going to live in Spain. I'm going to live in, you know, Mexico city or whatever. Um, I would probably do that. Um, and I would probably eat a lot of fast food for convenience because then I wouldn't <laughs> have to waste my time loop time cooking. There you go. And none of mm -hmm. it carries over. So exactly. First class travel all the way. That's right. And you don't have to worry about your cholesterol, which I have to get a cholesterol test later this week. So <laughs> I'm thinking about that. It's really at the front of your mind. Yes. <laughs> so as a punchy final pitch for a quantum love story, if you could sum it up in like three words, what would it be? Ooh, three words. And love can't um, be one of them. Time loop feelings. <laughs> I like that. Time loop feelings. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to pivot into Star Wars now. I feel like you knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You were the author of two stories, both called Brotherhood. One is a novel, one mm -hmm. is a short story. So the novel mm -hmm. came out first, so let's start with that. Um, it mm -hmm. covers this moment in time between Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. It's like this sliver of time that we hadn't experienced yet. So can you mm -hmm. talk about kind of venturing into this unknown period of time prior to... So there is no official like calendar gap between attack of the clones and the clone wars. I think like the, they estimate it's like anywhere from three months to six months, depending on who you talk to and what, how it satisfies, satisfies stories needs. Okay. So the first thing that I did when they said like, you need to write a bridge between the two books, like thematically state of the galaxy wise and like character emotional wise. So the first thing I did was I talked to E.K. Johnston because she was writing Queen's Hope at the time. Like she just finished Queen's Hope and Queen's Hope takes place. It's pretty compact. I think it's about like seven days, 
like a span of seven days, like immediately after Attack of the Clones. And it also captures the wedding that you see at the end of Attack of the Clones. So I knew I would basically pick up pretty close after that. And I didn't have too much like in, in terms of like free like block of time to play with. So um, the conception was, or I guess the, the guidelines were transition story, uh, give the Nemoidians some characters so they're not so like cartoony villains anymore and advance the state of the galaxy so you can understand why they went from, you know, at, at the end of Attack of the Clones, everyone's like, what have we gotten ourselves into? And then you start the Clone Wars and they are just like flying through the air, like taking on battle droids and everything like that. And so it's like something clearly happened <laughs> between that time. And so it, it's it's the start of um, militarization, basically. Um, but then also the transition between Anakin and Obi-Wan from like constantly butting heads to being like the basically buddy cops that you see in the Clone Wars. So... Oh God, I have like two questions that both try to come out at the same time. So one of the characters that we see in this book is mm -hmm. it's the return of Asajj Ventress, who is obviously a yes. big part. Of and we're recording this on Ventress Day. Yes, we are. It is Ventress Day today. So this is the her first ever appearance, if I mm -hmm. got that right, in the 2D. The Gendi. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Gendi Tar Tartovsky. I always say that one wrong. But yes, in the 2D Clone Wars series. So mm -hmm. bringing Ventress into all this. So we kind of... We, we know her entire arc by this point, or more or less, we have her entire arc. So yeah, what was it like to kind of get to expand on what we know about Asajj Ventress? Because between, you know, Jedi Lost and the cartoon and Dark Disciple, we kind of see all the major beats of her life. But here's this right. big incident that makes her such a formidable adversary because she's not a villain. So <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> it, it was really important for me to, like, as, as an big animal person and a big fan of Asajj Ventress in Brotherhood, I wanted to give her a moment where there are these, on the, the base of Cadenomoidia are these giant corgi beasts that are literally like giant corgi dogs. <laughs> um, and one of them is like suffering. And I wanted to give Ventress a moment where it's like she touches this giant dog's nose and kind of uses the force to soothe it. And then she says like, I understand the will to survive. And I wanted that moment to be like, she's not a bad person. <laughs> she's just been through a lot of crap. Um, Ventress was actually not originally in this. Okay. In my original pitch, um, you know, basically everything happens, but like there, there wasn't a primary antagonist to for Obi Wan. And my editor, this is really early on, and my editor is like, I think we need to like we can't just have like the system be the enemy. We should try to personify that in someone. And then, uh, so this is Alex Davis at Del Rey. And he goes, do you want to use Asajj? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can. <laughs> I had thought about trying to put her in there, but I'm like, I don't want to be greedy. You know, like I don't, I'm the new guy. I don't want to seem like that. Like I'm taking all of my favorite toys and putting them in there. And he said like, yeah, you can ask for anyone. Like the worst they can say is no. And he said, like, you know, we haven't actually seen Ventress formally meet Obi-Wan yet. We just know that, like, by the time you get to the Clone Wars movie, like, they have a history of some sort. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take Asajj, and I'm going to put her in here, and I'm going to have her be with Obi-Wan, and I want to create that tension, like, right away. 
Um, and, and so it, it was thinking about like, you know, you know, they're going to go on like this contentious flirtatious journey over several years. Um, you know that she's not totally a bad person, even though like when you first see her in the Clone Wars, like she she starts off as a villain and she comes becomes more of like an anti-hero. And so it was important to like plant all that in there and have her be at a point where like she's clearly like they call her Count Dooku's agent. Um, and it, she's very much fulfilling that role because she's still trying to figure out what she wants to do. Um, right. And she's just, she's very menacing. She's a little bit more cerebral in this. I really like the opportunity to get in her head so you can actually see like, she's got all these different pieces that she can try to manipulate and she doesn't even need her lightsabers to, to do it. She just has to like whisper in different people's ears and then she can achieve the same thing. And I wanted to show her that like, that she's not just like this really acrobatic, you know, badass with two curved lightsabers. Um, but we do get that too. <laughs> I love, I love that. Like I love, especially seeing the beginning of her dynamic with Obi-Wan because there's just no way yeah. that there wasn't more to that history. So, so kind of love that we get that. <laughs> there's that a, there's that a moment where when they are on the shuttle together to the floor of Cato Nemoidia, um, and Obi-Wan, at least Obi-Wan tells himself this, that he is not sure, like, what is this strange glint of metal on her hips? Um, and Ventress, like, her reaction is kind of like, oh, you're checking out my hips. <laughs> and that was very intentional, like, on both ends. I... I feel like especially like some of our mutual friends are just freaking out at this confirmation at how intentional this was. So kind of going off of this idea of, of intentional flirtation, intentional romance, I'm going to take that pin out of Anakin and Padme now, and we're going to talk about it. So there's mm -hmm. some great Anakin Padme stuff in this book. Like they have their little date on Coruscant yeah. and like, it's very much the honeymoon newlywed phase. So I want to know kind of what it was like getting to expand on this early part of their romance. And also just like, are you just this big old romantic at heart? Cause I think you might be. <laughs> I, I think I am, even though I don't know how to express it in real life. That's why I'm a writer. <laughs> um, I thought, so one of my goals with this book was to make the reader like, if not love, then absolutely empathize with Anakin Skywalker. Um, because like Attack of the Clones does not set him up very well <laughs> for that. Um, and, and then the thing with like, you know, getting the time for date night um, in the first act of the book, I was worried that it might be perceived as like, this is too slow for this book. But I thought like, well, if this is a character story, it's really important. We have to see like this is really before the war kind of goes off the rails. So we have to see what life is like for Anakin and Padme and why do they love each other? Like, I mean, besides the fact that they're both, you know, ridiculously good looking, um, I wanted to portray, it's like, yeah, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are like two really beautiful people. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes, they're but, but personality wise, like why are they so drawn to each other? And I talked with, with E.K. Johnston a bit about this. Um, and we both kind of came up like with the idea that like Padme is so controlled 
and Anakin is so much like built out of like passion. And so it's like these, you know, two polar opposites that like they represent like what the other wishes they could just cut loose and do. Mm-hmm. Or or like in Anakin's case, like, you know, be like extremely controlled. And like the the bad version of extremely controlled is like, you know, fascist Darth Vader. Um, so they represent this to each other and we're catching them at a point where like, it's still innocent and good. And so when they're on their date night, it was important to show that like Padme is still always thinking about like, how do I help people? What can I do? Like, what are the levers of government that I can do to to help all these people on like the way underground of Coruscant? And then for Anakin to be like, this is why I love her because she is always trying to like do more be more but also at the same time i'm kind of jealous because like we're on a date (laughs) (laughs) which i think is like really realistic about two people in like these extreme positions of power who are also very young and very inexperienced so i wanted to very much like ground that in a reality that like the reader can be like okay i get it i get why they are so attracted to each other and so infatuated with each other and the other thing is that, you know, the, the lines that Anakin says in Attack of the Clones, like, they are real. They are canon. They are part of, like, the documentary of the galaxy known as Attack of the Clones. So I had to take that and, like, I really wanted to find a way to make it real. And, and so I, I remember when I actually watched Attack of the Clones for the first time, and there's like the line where Anakin says, like, I wish I could wish my feelings away, which is kind of stupid. But at the same time, like, I know, like, as a teenager, like, I have actually thought, like, that very thing. Like, some, you know, some summary of it, like, not those exact words, but, like, the the intention. I have thought that before. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to take each of these lines, I want to place them like we are in Anakin's head, probably closer than any other media has presented it. So now we can get into like, what is he thinking when he reflects back on that? And he's like, I just said the first thing that I thought of because I don't know what else to do. Like it was impulsive and really kind of cringy. And he acknowledges that it's cringy, but he's like, but we're here now we are married. Um, So I wanted to, to kind of like present that. And also like the sand stuff. It's like, I had a good conversation with E.K. Johnston about this. Like the sand thing is it's representative of the economic differences that Anakin and Padme come from. Like Padme comes from Naboo. Everything's green and watery and lush and like this ornate architecture. Anakin comes from Tatooine where sand is everywhere. Like it's in like their, you know, probably like their their kitchen and his bedroom and his bed and everything. It gets everywhere. It's harsh, it's gross, and it's dirty. So it represents something more than just the stupid thing that he said. He's telling Padme, like, I come from this brutal, hard life, and you represent everything else that is escaping from that. So mm-hmm. it, it's trying to take these moments of like when you read them on paper you're like wow this <laughs> this does not work but then trying to be like okay it happened what's the reality behind it i kind of i love that approach too of like yes this is you know this is what he said and this is what it means and also like this is just like you said the first thing that pops into a 19 year old's head when they're trying to make a point and it just comes out of yeah. their mouth and like no, I, none I, of I, us were smooth operators at 19 so 
that's one of the things that I think like, you know, I, I was just reflecting on this the other day, like kind of through the lens of, uh, of like rewatching Attack of the Clones, thinking about like some of the stupid stuff that I said when I was like between the ages of 17 and 25 or so. And I'm like, yeah. I, I was not necessarily much better than Anakin Skywalker. I just didn't look like Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the, um, just the general approach of like, how do two essentially very young prodigies kind of come together and yeah. find time for what is a very normal grounded romance when mm-hmm. both of them are, have such responsibility in the scale of everything going on in the galaxy. Like, so the, that and the book see, makes time for that is great. You see in the Clone Wars TV show, all the time they get is like one night here or like two days here. And it's always under like some sort of like stealth. Mm-hmm. And I, it was really important to show that when they go to the Coruscant underworld, no one cares who they are. And this is a point that's kind of made in when Ahsoka is with the Martez sisters. Um, right. And they're like, what war? We don't know what's going on. We don't care. You know, and, and for Anakin and Padme, like, it's such a removed area that, like, they can just disappear into there because they never get that space to do that. So I really wanted to show that, like, how much pressure is is in their lives. Like, you know, the Jedi are like, you're the chosen one. We're going to war. But also, like, don't do anything. We don't trust you. And then Padme is, like, trying to wrangle, like, all of the politics in the galaxy while, you know, like, a second party and a third party and a fourth party are trying to break in different directions. That's a lot. And they're just like, you know, we're in our early 20s. And we're just, <laughs> you know, we just want to hang out. So it's it's a difficult life for them. So on the flip side of things in Brotherhood, we also have... Obi-Wan. Um, so mm-hmm. I know the timeline for like books and for television is very long. Like by the time the general audience hears about it is not the day work on it begins. Like work began a long time right. ago. But Brotherhood came out in tandem with two other Obi-Wan stories, like sort of within the same year. So I want to know kind mm-hmm. of what it was like putting your spin on the character and getting to work on this character who was having, you know, it was like he was having a year. It was the year of Kenobi last yeah. year. Like what was it like kind of developing him in, in tandem with like the series with Padawan? So um, the series, like I knew like literally nothing about it other than what was publicly released. Okay. Um, information from Lucasfilm is like a one-way street. And occasionally like I would say like, can I use this? And then if they said no, I would just assume like, okay, that must be tied up in like the TV show or some other thing that that's coming down the line, but I don't know what it was. So knowing all I knew was that I would get a publicity bump from riding the wave of the show. Um, And that like, there was a lot of interest in it because of the show. Um, But I, you know, I had guessed because they brought Hayden back that the show would focus on you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship. You don't bring Hayden Christensen back unless you're going to go there, you know? Right. Um, and I just, I, I rewatched it about a month ago with my daughter. It was my daughter's first time watching it. Um, and I'm like, I love this show. Like, I understand that, like, there are probably some budget constraints and, like, logistical constraints because they made it, like, during the peak of COVID. Right. But I love the show. I love 
the exploration of Obi-Wan's grief. I love his relationship with Leia and what he what she represents to 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 Obi-Wan. And like just the performances between Hayden and Ewan, it's just like it's so good. Like I, I don't understand how people like we were so excited about like week <laughs> by week. And then it was weird that like retroactively people were like, Yeah, it was okay. I'm like, did did you watch the same show as me? But I digress. Um, no, I'm right there with you. It's my of all of the Disney Plus shows. It's my favorite one. Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, part of it. I love, I, I love Hayden Christensen and I love Ewan McGregor, and I think it's just like this real treasure of, like, it's a gift to to be able to spend this time with them. Um, but back to like writing my book. So Kirsten White, who wrote Padawan, um, we texted a lot, but it was mostly us just kind of like geeking out about like, oh, we're writing Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. This is amazing. Um, there was one point, because she writes a much younger Obi-Wan than, than I do. And I wanted to use Dexter Jetster. And she wanted to use Dexter Jetster. So we we coordinated, like she writes how they at first meet. And then I reference that in my book. And so that's just like a little bit of connective tissue there. Um, but mostly like we were just geeking out the whole time uh, and understanding that like there is going to be a much bigger focus on um, like the the character of Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's like emotional journey through the lens of the TV show. So for us to be able to like fill in those gaps, um, like for her, it's like Obi-Wan's relationship with Qui-Gon. For me, it's Obi-Wan's relationship with Anakin. For us to be able to fill in those gaps, um, like we just had to take a lot of care for that. And, and we were both aware of like the responsibility of it. Right. So going into Obi-Wan's relationship with Anakin in mm -hmm. the other brotherhood in the short story, mm -hmm. um, so this is in the, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi anthology. Um, so, I mean, first of all, how dare you? Because again, I was <laughs> crying. I just, <laughs> I cry a lot. Um, Did you but, see the thing I put on Twitter about like two months before the the, the story came out? And I, I, I read the, like I did a copy edit read and I'm like, I think this is really good. And I said, I think the final line will break people in the best way. I hope someone gets a tattoo of it. And then after it came out, people were like, I'm going to get a tattoo of this. I'm like, yes. But have you seen a tattoo thus far? I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've heard people, like people have tagged me on Twitter saying that they, they plan on doing it. If you are listening to this and you have seen somebody with the tattoo or you have the tattoo, please add us. I want to see it. Um, so when it came time to choosing the story, for the mm -hmm. anthology w was this moment with like force ghost anakin and force ghost was this your first choice i was actually so um tom the the head editor at del rey actually reached out and he said um you know we're, we're doing return of the jedi which i think we all kind of knew was going to happen and he said um we want you to do uh anakin's force ghost so it was just presented okay. right away they, they so they said like you're kind of like the keeper of Anakin right now. Will you do this? And I'm like, of course I will do this. Um, and so there is this thing, like I, 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 I did a short thread on Twitter about this. Um, so it's okay for me to say publicly, I actually cleared it with Tom. Um, okay, so shortly, cause I did the, the Empire Strikes Back anthology. I wrote mm -hmm. um, a Palpatine story, but it's really an Anakin story. It's, it's the moment that Palpatine discovers that Luke is Anakin's son. 
Um, and it's through like this sort of like force vision that Palpatine senses that it's just like this delusion of Anakin seeing himself as whole and Padme is there and Luke is there. And it's like everything that Anakin Skywalker wants and Palpatine realizes like, oh, in your heart, you still believe you are that. I'm going to take advantage of that. So um, when we when I wrote that and when I turned that in, um, I thought like, you'll be really cool is if I got to write the Force Ghost Anakin for Return of the Jedi. Like, so this is like two years ago or whatever. Um, and I had in my head thought out of, like, I, like, I had a tentative title too. It was called Between Worlds. And mm -hmm. it was essentially the same story as this one, except it was Ahsoka. And so oh. Anakin is dying. He gets pulled into the, like the world between worlds, like because when 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 Palpatine kind of like explodes with like dark force energy, like it throws Anakin's spirit into the world between worlds, and then it would sync up with uh with Rebels season four. Actually, yeah, the very very end, like right after Ahsoka like throws Ezra out, there was mm -hmm. going to be like a moment where she encountered Anakin's Force ghost, um, and they would essentially have the same conversation that um that he does with obi-wan um and like i had this kind of like all mapped out in my head and so when tom asked me to write for return of the jedi i'm like i i didn't tell him that i had this like he didn't know about this until like <laughs> later but like i wrote out this idea that had been stewing in my head for for like two years and then like i just shifted it to anakin and obi-wan and as, as i was writing it i felt like this actually works much better with obi-wan because mm -hmm. this is for Return of the Jedi. This is not for the Clone Wars or whatever. Uh, so a lot of like Anakin's internal journey is the same thing. Like Anakin wanting to like realizing like I can't die yet. Like that is the most Anakin Skywalker thing <laughs> to do is to say like I cannot die yet. I got stuff to do. I have to make amends <laughs> for for the horrible things that I do. And it was supposed to be Originally, it was like the the student teaches the master. In mm -hmm. the final version, it's that um, I think it works so much better because Obi Wan has a relationship with the Skywalkers, or, or with right. Leia and and Luke, um, and so he is able to ground that into like the final scene of Return of the Jedi, where they both get to become Force ghosts. Because my story was supposed to uh, the original one was supposed to end with like Anakin like leaving Ahsoka like you know, feeling like resolved and then becoming the force ghost that spends time with, with Obi-Wan in, in that, you know, five second clip or whatever. But so now we get all of it with through, through Obi-Wan's perspective. And I think it works better that way. It's wild to hear that you have this whole idea for a world between worlds dialogue between Anakin and Ahsoka mm -hmm. now having seen Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when, when that happened, my, my, my brain just kind of exploded. <laughs> so with, with regards to this moment specifically, like in the context of the movie, in the context of the short story, what is it you think about this moment that is just so resonant? Cause I think everybody kind of has really strong feelings, I guess, mostly positive. Mm -hmm. Mine are definitely positive, but like, what is so resonant about this, this moment? It's like, cause that, that was a big change, like going from, the older actor to now this younger actor, Hayden Christensen, um, playing kind of Anakin mm -hmm. in his prime. So what what was it that's so like resonant about that, would you say? For you. So 
the I never had a problem with it. I mean, I am old enough that like I grew up with the original trilogy, like on VHS. I was there for like the special edition change, and then when they inserted Hayden for the like the the DVD release, like you know, I went through all that in like real time and heard people getting pissy about it. And to me, it was like this makes sense because um, like who is that dude that just shows up, you know, <laughs> like from a story perspective? And it's not like like in the force does not like you know it's very ethereal it does not apply like the the laws of space and time like do not really apply mm -hmm. in like the ether of the force but what really solidified it for me um and i wrote an essay about this for nerdist um so you can google mike chen star wars machete order um and you will see this when we showed my daughter star wars so we started about she was five like she's pretty obsessive now but we started it we went an augmented machete order where we went four, five, one, two, Clone Wars, three, and then Return of the Jedi. And so she got like a pretty comprehensive Anakin Skywalker journey. Mm -hmm. And so when Anakin shows up, like the, you know, the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost shows up in, in Return of the Jedi, she was so ecstatic to see him again because she was like, this is the hero that I was like, just destroyed when he became Darth Vader and now he has returned. He has chosen the right thing. And so for me, like, I, I feel like this works. This, this really works because it is so emotionally powerful. Like if you had no idea about this and any order that you see Star Wars in, if, if you had no idea about it um, and you didn't know who Sebastian Shaw was or like the previous version existed to see Anakin again in that form is really emotionally powerful. And I think like all the extra media that we have gotten now, like with the Kenobi show and with the Ahsoka show, like it just makes it multiplies like the emotional weight of it. So one of the things I thought was really interesting about, about your story is that, you know, Anakin is sitting there going, I have all of this. Like, I have so many things I've done wrong, so many things to make up for. And I feel like for some people, there would be the temptation to kind of dismiss him out of hand and be like, well, you did it. So, but there's such an undercurrent of like hope and redemption and not it's okay, but like, yes, there is a way to make this better. So yeah, I believe like as we wrap up, like kind of talking about the the importance of that aspect of like active redemption and like the theme of that I, you know the the thought of that kind of originated with a lot of the discussions of kylo ren um and like what could kylo ren how could kylo ren have been presented differently um like what would have been like an appropriate and for his character and there one of the one of the schools of thought was like you know, basically going through like a galactic redemption tour, <laughs> you know, like but Kylo that's, Ren that's did my, so much bad. I <laughs> yeah, I wanted that too. Yeah. Uh, I thought it made sense and it would play out differently so that it wouldn't just kind of be a mirror to Return of the Jedi. Um, it, so I had thought about that, um, I think probably since like, at least the last Jedi, like um, it was, I started thinking about that before the rise of Skywalker, um, just because there was a lot of discussion of his character at the time. And, and so 
to me, it, when I started thinking about Anakin and really getting in Anakin's head, the idea that like he would want redemption in that way, like not not redemption in terms of like forgiveness, he would want active redemption in terms of like he would want to like go out there and like basically be apologizing to everyone. That is a very Anakin Skywalker thing to do, like to like grab it and take ownership of it and be like, no, I was wrong, like yelling that to everyone. <laughs> and it was really important for like, for a character moment for Obi-Wan to be like, to say that like, you don't have to do that. All you have to do is you made a choice that will change the fate of the galaxy. And the most important thing for you to do is to trust in it. And, and there's this, this this thing that actually happened to me like in in real life. <laughs> um, so like my, my daughter is um, my daughter is going back to in person school this year. My wife has some medical conditions, and so like we we kept her in homeschool for for three years. And um, we found a private school that has very good like COVID protections and just a community that's really supportive. And I was talking with the admissions director after her first week and she checked in she's like how is everything doing and i'm like you know it's hard for me like it's feeling different but so far everything's going good um and like the teachers being like very respectful and like the community is like being very communicative and she said i think like the best thing for you right now is to like we are asking you to trust us and put faith in us that like we are watching out for you and there was such a different concept for us like coming from the public school system where like in any public school system, you parents have to fight for everything. Um, and so to be in an environment where they're like, no, like we, we want to take care of you. We want you to be happy and safe. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like that. It's very difficult to do that, um, to, to have faith in like the unknown. And so for Obi-Wan to tell Anakin, like, look at Leia, look at Luke. We are going to trust them if you can just let go. And so Anakin's redemption is like overthrowing Palpatine, but his, I guess, final like way to join the force is to the lesson that, you know, Shmi tried to tell him to do, like, don't look back, you know, learn to let go. Everyone's always telling Anakin to let go. Um, and he just refuses. And so this is like Obi-Wan saying, like, this is your final lesson. Like, this is what you need to do to complete your life. And he lets go. And I had thought of that line back way back when, when I was like just projecting like the Ahsoka version of this. Like that line has been with me for years. And and because it punched me hard, I figured it was gonna punch the reader pretty hard. I also like the um like the parallel of, you know, in a new hope when they're facing off. And he's like, well, when we last met, I was the student. Now I'm the master. Like, you're going to listen to me. And then in his final moment, everyone's like, you got one more lesson. And you are going to learn it this time. And like the, yeah, you know, I, I'm all about this, the student eventually becoming the teacher. Like we are what they grow beyond all of that. But for like, but in this, in this, you need to listen to me one more time and finally let go. And then he does. I don't know. I, I think just, that was one of the really brilliant things about the the obi-wan show is that you see obi-wan is like constantly calling out to qui-gon like he is still looking for his master and then when he when obi-wan learns to let go and, and kind of like 
have faith in the future in, in Luke and Leia and, and trust that he doesn't have to be a helicopter parent <laughs> about them. That's finally when he can connect to, to Qui-Gon. Um, and, and so I think it's like, it, it's such a real lesson for all of us and to be able to see it in, in our like very fallible space heroes is very powerful. So Mike, thank you so, so much for joining me today to talk about everything under the romantic sci-fi sun. Cause I feel like that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the duet in common. So as we wrap up, if people want to find you, if they want to pre-order a quantum love story, where can they find you online? Um, so I am kind of Twitter shy right now as we record this. I, I, I may go back. It's Twitter's a mess right now, but I do love the format the best. So right now I'm more active on Blue Sky. Um, I'm still Mike Chen writer. Uh, I always say the writer is important because there's Mike Chen, the food YouTube guy. Um, there's Mike Chen, like the college football reporter. There's so many people named Mike Chen out in the world. So Mike Chen writer on Twitter, though I'm not that active right there right now. Blue Sky and Instagram. My website is mikechenbooks.com. Um, and all my stuff, um, you can get me at your local bookstore. I have very good distribution, thanks to the fine folks at HarperCollins. Right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. All our socials are down below. And may the waffles be with you. <laughs>